It's a great day to live for Jesus. This is the In the Word podcast with Pastor Mike Grover, a chapter-by-chapter devotional journey through the New Testament where we will browse the background, discover the doctrine, and practice the principles of God's Word for us today. You know, when our kids were little, it always amazed me the things that were important to them, the things that they valued. One of the memories I have is when Annabeth was little, she would always collect rocks. Man, she would have a pile of rocks. I can remember out on our back porch that we had this whole tub full of rocks. And really rocks of no value whatsoever. But to her, man, they were like a treasure. That thing may as well have been filled with diamonds. But you know what I noticed? As they grew and as they matured, their value system grew and matured with them. And they began to set a higher priority on things that truly had value and worth. You know, God has a value system. And as we grow and as we mature as believers, really, we should come in greater alignment with the value system of God. Now, the Pharisees, the religious leader of Jesus' day, they were often at odds with God's value system. You see, they would devalue others for the love of self. And how much was that out of a line with God's value system as we see in John 3, 16 even, for God so loved the world. Here in Luke chapter 14, it says in verse one, it came to pass as he went into the house of one of the chief Pharisees to eat bread on the Sabbath day that they watched him. And behold, there was a certain man before him which had dropsy. And Jesus answering spoke unto the lawyers and Pharisees saying, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath day? And they held their peace, and he took him, and he healed him, and he let him go. And answering them said, Which of you will have an ass or an ox falling into a pit, and will not immediately pull him out on the Sabbath day? And they could not answer him again to these things. So in this story, we have Jesus who is invited to one of the religious leaders' house to eat a meal on the Sabbath day. And it's not like he's inviting him over because he's his good buddy, because the the picture here, it says they watched him. So the idea, as in so many other places, is the Pharisees are trying to set Jesus up. So they invite him into a situation on the Sabbath day, and they kind of put this man, now it doesn't say who he is, it just says it's a certain man, and he has this illness called dropsy. Now, dropsy is an illness where your body retains fluid and uh, there's a swelling in the legs and arms. And so this guy is sitting there with this visible illness that Jesus could see. And uh, they wanted to see what Jesus would do. Would Jesus heal him on the Sabbath day and violate their, their laws? What would Jesus do? And so they're watching him and they're trying to set them up. And this man was nothing to them. You know, we don't know who he was. It says it was a certain man and commentators jump around and guess at who it might be. They say maybe it was a legitimate, um, maybe wealthy individual that was one of the Pharisees that happened to be there. But, you know, to me, it seems like there's more to the story than that. He's there. He's a certain man. And he's just right there in front of Jesus, just happens to be placed in that seat where Jesus can see him. And so what happens, this man, for whatever, whoever he was, was a pawn in their game. He wasn't valued by them. They didn't rejoice in his healing. He was a pawn to be used for their end to prioritize them 
over what they believed was more important than the good of someone else. So they actually devalued him less than animals because as it says, it's when Jesus healed them, it says they held their peace and he healed them. And in verse five, he answered them saying, which of you having an ass or an ox falling into a pit will not immediately pull him out on the Sabbath day? So what's Jesus doing? He's really rebuking them that they would have enough sense and compassion to pull their animals out of a ditch if it was a Sabbath day. But somehow in their mind, they came to the conclusion that it was violating the law to actually heal a person, a human being who was in a bad way. You see, so this man was of little worth to them, of little value, uh, actually devalued them, him less than their animals, but not Jesus. And what does Jesus do? The Bible says that Jesus healed him. And I love this in verse four, it says, and it, he let him go. He let him go, man. It's like he took the shackles of this moment. He freed this man, not just from this circumstance of being used, but man, he freed him from his illness. He freed him from his bondage. And I love this story. And in this story, I see in here what's called a, a chiasm, a chiastic formation in the Greek language. Now, I, this is kind of me trying to figure out. So the letter X in English is the letter key in Greek. And so a passage has a chiastic structure when it begins and it ends with the same point or the same subject. And what it does, it moves toward the main point and then it mirrors back to the original point. So if you look at this, it begins with a certain man with dropsy, right? But if you go down to verse 15, at the end of the story, it says, then one of them that sat at meat with him heard these things and he said to him, blessed is he that will eat bread in the kingdom of God. So the story begins with an unnamed one and it ends with an unnamed one. Now, after the unnamed one in verse five, it says, Jesus answered them. Well, who was them? Well, verse three, it says it was the lawyers and the Pharisees. So, so Jesus goes from the one that he begins and ends with and he moves from the one and then he goes on to speaking to the religious leaders. He answered them. Well, then in verse seven, he talks to those who were invited. So he goes from the one to the leaders, to those who were invited. Now it starts shifting back. And in verse number 12, then he said to him that invited him. Who was the one that invited him? He said he was one of the leading Pharisees. So the story begins with one. It moves toward the religious leaders. Then it moves to the point, which is everyone that was invited. Then it moves back to the religious leader and then it ends with the one. So if this is indeed a chiastic structure, which I really just saw this morning and kind of read this into this a little bit, that would mean the main point is the point. It's the kind of middle of the X. And what is the main point? It says um, in verse seven, he put the parable to those that were bidden uh, when he marked how they chose out the chief rooms and he goes and he's rebuking them for the seats that they took and how they prioritize themselves over others. And then he came to the application, verse 11, whoever exalts himself will be abased, but he that humbles himself will be exalted. So what is the point? The central point is humble yourself and God will exalt you. That's not what the Pharisees were all about. That's not their value system. That's not what they were doing. So how do I humble myself? Well, the first thing I have to do is I have to value others, at least value them more than an animal. 
more than an ox falling into a ditch. You see, what the Pharisees didn't do is they exalted themselves. Well, how did they exalt themselves? They exalted themselves by devaluing others. Oftentimes, for someone to feel better about themselves, they tear others down, they put others down, because if they can make others seem less to them, then that obviously will make themselves seem greater to them, right? And so humble yourself, don't devalue others. But what should you do? You should value them as God values them. You know, he gives that central point and then he turns to the guy who invited him to the feast in verse 12. And he said to him that invited him, when you make a dinner or a supper, don't call your friends or your brothers or your family or your rich neighbors, lest they invite you again and a recompense is made. Now, the idea here of not inviting them isn't saying you never invite your friends to your house. It's the habit of only inviting. It's that present tense of you're only ever inviting people that you're going to get something out of. They're going to recompense you. You're going to get something back. But he said, verse 13, but when you make a feast, call the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed for they cannot recompense you for you will be recompensed in the resurrection of the just. What's he saying? Don't prioritize people who can do something for you. Prioritize the heart of God for people. And your reward may not be seen in these people being able to do something back to you. Your reward is going to come from the Lord. Your reward is going to come um, in the resurrection of the just on the day when you stand before God. So humble yourself. Don't devalue others. Humble yourself. Value others as God values them. Why is that? Because God resists the proud. God gives grace to the humble. You know, the last part of this in verse 15, one of them sat at me, heard these things and said to him, blessed is he that will eat bread in the kingdom of God. Man, this one, and, and I thought he began one and he ended with one, right? The one he began with, it was some guy with dropsy, he frees him and we don't know who he is. And I'm wondering, is this the guy with the dropsy at the end? It just says he was one of them that sat at meat. Well, the guy at dropsy was sitting at meat. So maybe this is the guy. I don't know. I'm reading that in. But someone got it. The lesson clicked for someone. They got the spiritual meaning of what Jesus was talking about. And he just rejoiced in the fact of those who will be able to eat bread with the Lord in the kingdom of God. And, uh, and Jesus said to him, now Jesus takes his teaching He's rebuking all of them. He has a me the leaders. He has a message for the crowd about humbling themselves. He particularly rebukes the leader of the feast. And now he got the biggest message for the single guy. He said to him in verse 16, a certain man made a great supper and he bade, he invited many. And he sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were invited, come for all things are ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. The first said, I bought a piece of ground. I need to see it. Have me excused. Another said, I bought five yoke of oxen. I have to go prove them. Have me excused. Another said, I've married a wife. I cannot come. And the servant comes back and tells the Lord of the harvest, I mean, the Lord of the, the feast, that none of the people that were invited, the chosen, came. And I think this is in reference to Israel, God's chosen people that rejected him. And, and so what did he say? He said, go out into the highways and the hedges and uh, bring the poor, the maimed, the halt, the blind. Bring in all the people that really can't repay me anything. And he goes out and he comes back. He said, I did what you said. There's still room. And he said, go out and compel them to come 
that my house may be full. Now, compelling people to come. Why in the world would you have to twist someone's arm to come to a great feast? I think there's really only one reason, because they didn't think they belonged there. They didn't think they were good enough to be there. You see, he that humbles himself will be exalted. He that exalts himself will be humbled. Man, the Pharisees, the Jewish leaders, these religious hypocrites, they took the best seats, as it were, in the kingdom of God. And uh, God said in the end, you know what? They didn't really, he didn't have their heart. They were kind of making all kinds of excuses from being the real deal with him. But he said, you know what? It's those who humble themselves will be exalted. So he goes out and uh, he bids them to come, compel them to come. They didn't believe they were worthy to be there. And you know what? God's house was filled with who? It was filled with people who didn't think they belonged there. And I love that. Man, God doesn't choose what we think he should choose, right? Like we've been talking about in Romans 9 on Sunday mornings. He doesn't choose the firstborn, right? He chooses the secondborn. Man, that is just so out of step with man's reasoning and man's way of looking at things. God says, you know what? The chosen ones, you're too good to be here. I want to take the people in that understand they don't belong here. And let me just say this to you. If you know Christ as your Lord and Savior, there's something I absolutely know about every one of you is you don't believe you belong at the table. And we don't belong at the table, but we are able to sit at the table, not because of anything in ourselves, not because we're better than others, but because Christ has died for us and God, he has given us a seat at the table. You know, the kingdom of God is filled with people who understand that they don't deserve to be there. So what's the word for the day? If you're a believer, rejoice that you have a seat at the table and desire that same seat for others in your life. Compel them to come in because they may not really think they belong there. If you don't know Christ as your savior, if you're not a believer, um, there's a seat at the table for you if you'll take it with humility, if you'll take it by faith through grace. So God extends his grace by faith to who? To the humble, to those who know they don't belong there. And it's only by the grace of God that we have a seat at the table at all. Thank you for listening today to In the Word. Join us every Tuesday and Friday for new episodes as we continue our devotional journey through the New Testament.